0: welcome to the 18th episode of resume radio this is an episode we recorded back in the summertime yet live on clubhouse with dr anna schwabe we really wanted to get into it dr anna kept on you know trolling me for all intents and purposes about using the word cultivar and being adamant versus strain so i said hey let's have a conversation let's do it on clubhouse and let's see where it goes So this is that conversation. Uh, It is something that I know for everyone who has worked with me in the cannabis industry, I have had a ton of fun uh, pointing out this, you know, certain nomenclature, this certain terminology that, uh, you know, is cause for a little bit of a debate here in the cannabis industry. So it's time to put down the bro science. It's time to, you know, pick up a little bit more of the real science, quote unquote, and get into it a little bit. Uh, really wonderful to have a couple of guests as well come up and ask some questions. It's the wonderful dynamic of doing things live. So if you do not follow us on Instagram yet at Team Resonate, do so. You'll be able to take part in these wonderful conversations because we go live on YouTube, we go live on Twitch, and you can be there for that last episode of the cannibal club for 2021 is coming december 15th this wednesday tomorrow at 5 30 p.m pacific standard time 8 30 p.m eastern standard time and then we go on a little bit of a break a couple of weeks off from the live shows and then we'll see you all back in january if you are a fan of the delta cultural exchange on clubhouse we will do our last show this saturday at 9 a.m pacific standard time High noon, Eastern Standard Time. Much love to everybody who shows up for that. But we've got a show to do here, folks. Without further ado, Dr. Anna Schwabe, excited to do this. Let's get rocking and rolling for Cultivar versus Strain here on Resonate Radio. Have a wonderful day, everybody. <laughs> uh,
1: hi, everybody. I'm glad you're so excited. I am um i just kind of this slipped my mind so i i, I hope i'm prepared um <laughs> but it's good to be here i know you guys are a good time so
0: oh man am i excited for this one let me tell you folks i used to run around cultivation facilities saying why why in that standard operating procedure does that say strain that should say cultivar so I'm really excited to have this discussion, and I know there's a lot of people who have some opinions on the matter, so don't worry. The lovely human beings that are down uh, in the audience will definitely get a chance uh, to pipe in on the conversation. Uh, really excited for this one, uh, to say the least. Anna, again, thanks for uh, joining us today. Like I mentioned, it's okay if it slipped your mind. This is a good place to have some fun, So, and especially with this lighthearted conversation, or it should be anyway. Dr. Swabe, have I finally said it right for once, Anna? I've been trying, honestly, all week long.
1: <laughs> all right. It's Schwabi.
0: Yes, Schwabi. I could do that. I said that the first time. <laughs> I, you know I could rock that one out. <laughs> Thank you for giving me permission to do that.
1: You know, you know, there's just, it's fine. I still can't spell things like um, definitely, and I still don't know my right. There's just some things you just just don't come to you. Left and right is a struggle for me. Which is kind of funny, because you really only have to learn one. But I can't even manage that, so.
0: (laughs) I love it. See, lighthearted, we're going to be fine over here, for sure. (laughs) Much love. Thank you uh, for joining us again today. Uh, For everybody who's going to be following along, you know, on the podcast side, uh, who just gets time to check us out on Clubhouse. I mean, you should also be giving us plays on Spotify, because that's what we really need. But... We had another conversation with Anna a few days ago, uh, talking about, again, some other hot button issues, uh, talking about cool things like genetic drift, uh, plants possibly learning schedule, uh, and just kind of what are the high level, you know, cultivation problems that, you know, as someone who has her phd in cannabis is seeing uh, in these large-scale facilities so a really interesting candid conversation and i'm extremely excited to uh see the community respond uh, to that episode but today uh, we're here to have a conversation about strain versus cultivar Um, i know that this has been a you know really hot button issue uh, for everybody in the industry from cultivation rooms to dispensary operators to compassion clubs to You know, again, folks that are, you know, getting this cannabis education, even for me, uh, when I was going through a horticultural, uh, program earlier in the year, they told me some specific nomenclature, which I'm going to cover in a moment as well.
1: Cool. Well, I'm, I'm here for it and hopefully I can, um, I don't know, like help clarify some, some information and I'm not going to tell anybody that they're wrong, but, um, except for Corey. Yes. (laughs)
0: yo, I will accept it wholeheartedly. It's this is like, (laughs) this is the part that I love to brag about is that when I'm wrong, I totally own it. And so I'm really excited to see how I could possibly be wrong in this one. Because, like, there's always a possibility for sure. I don't, you know, everybody that we learn from might not always be right. And I, you know, kind of trust you spending just a few thousand more hours related to cannabis uh, at a PhD level than, you know, kind of a normal horticultural person. No offense to the horticultural person. I guess technically I'm educated with horticulture now, so I'm one of those silly people, but I digress on that. Um, Dr. Anna, please, you know, the folks haven't heard our wonderful cultivation chat yet, so please, for everybody here in, in Clubhouse, can you introduce yourself and let them know uh, what you've been doing in the cannabis industry? Hey,
1: so uh, sorry, I was I thought I pressed the button, but I didn't press the button. I, I swear, I'm a doctor. <laughs> no worries, <buddy>. um, so, <laughs> so Doctor Anna Schwabe, um, yeah, and I I have my PhD is 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 in biological education, and my research was on variation in cannabis with a a genetic um, sort of backdrop. So looking at variation in cannabis and and what that means as far as like the relationships among the various groups, you know, in cannabis, we have hemp, which is below 0.3% THC in the United States and Canada and many other countries, but it varies varies, um, worldwide in different countries and then when you cross over that magical threshold everything above that is um not hemp uh people don't like the m word and and i've been trying and racking my brain to find an alternative term that works um i don't like the term drug type because there are hemp types they're also uh you know medicinal farm pharm- pharmacological uh and also the word drug has a, um, an immediate negative connotation, which I am not, it doesn't, does not appeal to me to be calling the drug type cannabis. So that doesn't work for me. And then non hemp type cannabis works, but it's a mouthful. And, um, so if anybody in, in the audience or on the, on the stage has an, a good alternative for the term marijuana, please let me know because I've been struggling with this for months, but so I digress. Um, yeah so my my dissertation work was was looking at variation in cannabis and I went out and bought a bunch of strains from different dispensaries and I compared their uh some genetic markers to find out where is the variation coming from where what is the genetic variation is their genetic vari- variation where we shouldn't see any, for example, things that should be clones or seeds of the same type should have very little variation among them. Um, So I wanted to check because there were people in the community that were saying, you know, they were getting different experiences from the same type of cannabis with the same name, but when they purchased it from different places, and sometimes from the same place, it didn't have the same effects, which I thought was very strange. So that's where my interest sort of started and then it took off from there um, i was able to get a hold of some research grade marijuana from the national institute of health from um, the university of mississippi they didn't give it to me and if anybody wants to do this kind of study they probably won't give it to you either Uh, but i was um we had a lab at our school um, and i just took the dna i didn't take any of the plant matter so um then i was able to look at that and that, that paper is in review and should be hopefully, hopefully fingers crossed published soon. It's been in review for uh, three years. It's, um, I think people are scared to publish it. But anyway, hopefully that'll come out soon. And then we did some smell studies to find out if people from the general public could smell a genetic outlier. So for example, and this was a double blind study, which was super cool. So for example, if we had four samples of, say, um, uh, OG Kush and we knew 3 of them were identical in their gen- in in their genotypes and then one was a genetic outlier could people smell that difference um and it wasn't for it with the study wasn't um we didn't ask for volunteers that were experts we asked for whoever non users noobs experienced um cannabis folk bud tenders anybody and everybody there were some stipulations like we didn't take people under like you had to be over 21 obviously Um, and I think we limited the age to 50 um, just because you know your senses kind of deteriorate after a certain age so other than that it was available to to participate in the study to anybody in the public and we sort of recruited via social media so that was fun and then after that study I just wanted to look at uh, variation cannabinoids and terpenes turns out there's a bunch of variation of among plants with the same name even when they're genetically identical
0: i just want to say a quick thing real quick i do see a couple hands that are raising in the crowd just give it a little bit longer here we're going to interview anna for about 20 more minutes uh, and just get a little bit more perspective on the discussion and what's happening and then we're definitely going to get uh, you folks up here to take part in this conversation because i feel uh, it's an extremely important one uh, to say the least and i'm really interested to have that discussion because often when you talk to other cannabis people about these things, it, uh, it isn't really as friendly as we want it to be. So uh, I'm really looking forward to um, opening up the conversation in a little bit. Uh, so I just wanted to segue into that to you know, get through to this conversation because I've been dying to tell this to Anna for a few days now. Um, so Anna, this is what's being taught to me at the University of Guelph. This is why I've adopted uh, my cultivar uh nomenclature so uh so much so i'll read it exactly from the text that i got it says uh interspecific refers to the fact that there are two different species so very rarely an intergeneric hybrid will be seen sometimes hybrids occur naturally in the wild and this is one way of maintaining genetic variation natural hybrids are called varieties in the horticulture industry man-made hybrids are much more common and are what give the huge range of color and form in many garden plants man-made hybrids are called cultivars in the horticultural industry so that is what is coming from there now am i just taking that and using it incorrectly because for me like i believe like especially where genetics are now with cannabis it's you know it's man-made there's nothing coming out of the wild anymore these are you know different again I don't want to even say the word variety I don't even know what to say anymore my friend (laughs) you have put me uh, in a a conundrum so uh, for me I'm still going to stick with cultivars but that is why I've stuck to cultivars is because of that course that I took I used to call it strain all the time Um, and then there was also you mentioned in our cultivation conversation that there was a paper that said you can't have um, a strain of cannabis necessarily, a strain of, you know, flowers. It's limited to um, like a biological bacter- or a bacteria, marine life, I believe. I think it is. But um, yeah, please correct me on that one. Let me, I can't wait to, this is Pandora's box. I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> okay. So Corey, what was the first sentence you read from that definition?
0: It came off of the, um, so I'll, yeah, if a flower yeah. from one species is pollinated by the pollen from a different species and seeds are produced, the plants from those seeds will be called interspecific hybrids. Interspecific okay. refers to the fact that there are two different species.
1: So therein lies the problem. So, cannabis, sativa, there's only one species there are there have been um suggestions and recommendations that the species are is split into things like cannabis sativa cannabis indica possibly even cannabis ruteralis there's subspecies suggestions of afghanica chinese ensis, i don't know how to say that i can never say that right um et cetera. Et cetera. however right now cannabis is only one species so there is no interspecies hybridization it's all intra um so that's thing number one
0: thing number two
1: (laughs) thing number two (laughs) is that the international code of botanical nomenclature has a set of rules for naming plants right and for a cultivar to be considered a cultivar it has to be a cultivated variety which is just grown by humans, so okay, that checks box number one. Number two, uniform and stable in its characters. So if we're talking about um, creating seeds and then growing them, very rarely do breeders have the incentive to stabilize lines. Um, and I say very rarely because there are so many people making seeds and breeding. Not all of them are on, you know, the the um commercial side and doing due diligence to inbreed lines so i say most of the time most of the strains (laughs) that are out there don't come from stable lines and if 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 they do they can quickly become unstable because there's not enough stabilization or somebody crosses them cross pollination outdoor pollination whatever the case may be save seeds they're not the same the next generation Um, or we do cloning which has the potential um, to create identical organisms from one generation to the next but we've had some conversations about that also that that doesn't always happen either so um, there are some cannabis cultivars and they're generally in the hemp category so for example, finola is considered a cultivar because it has stood the test of time. It is a cultivated variety. It is uniform and stable in its characters and very, it doesn't waver from that unless you cross it with something else. So those are my reasons why cultivar almost never is an appropriate term for cannabis. However, there's a lot of people that use the term and I think if you wanna use the term, I'm, I'm willing, I'm, this is not a hill I'm willing to die on. I don't wanna get in a fight every other day about people who are saying cultivar and correcting them and calling it a strain. Um, however, if somebody does call it a strain, I think everyone needs to realize that that is absolutely a fine term to use and it is the most appropriate term in most cases.
0: Yes, I love it, meat. In the middle cannabis industry, stop sitting there and arguing with each other. It's great. It's something that I need to do in that department specifically because I like these reasons. I do not think that they are terrible reasons whatsoever. They make a hell of a lot of sense to me. So I really appreciate that. Um, This is the most fun to do in this podcast. I mean, you know, obviously we get to speak with people, but the learning experience uh, that I frequently have, you know, through 24 episodes, 24 to be, uh, it's just awesome. I'm really hoping that some people are at least taking some notes. This is some absolute value here.
1: So then, if you, if, if we want to, like, you know, talk about what a strain is, you know, because we've talked about what a cultivar is and why maybe that's not the best term, but what, what's a strain then, right? So, like I said, there, um, which you mentioned. Um, There was a paper that was published in 2019 by a non-botanist, a non-taxonomist, who said that strain, the term strain, is only reserved for bacteria and viruses, and is not applicable to to organisms in the plantae world, which is totally incorrect. Um, The term strain is used for things like there there are rice strains if you've heard of winter wheat that's a strain of wheat um and so there there are definitely um there are definitely plants that are strains and cannabis just happens to be one of those so let's talk about the term strain so i think where people get hung up is that when they look up strain and and it, in botanical terms the first thing that pops up is that it has no official ranking status in botany that is correct, but that doesn't mean that it's not an applicable term. All that means is that in the taxonomy ranking, you know, we have varieties. So you might see a tulip variety that's like, you know, red, B A R, and then some other name. That's a variety that has a taxonomical ranking. We have subspecies, that's a taxonomical ranking. We have species, we have genus, et cetera, et cetera. So strain has no official. Ranking status in the taxonomy world, so so uh, it just means that there's not enough information to give it a, um, a an official name, which is what we talked about, right? With with the the characters that are not uniform and consistent, that's what a strain is. But they are um, a strain is a collective descendants from a common ancestor. So um, cuttings from a mother that share uniform morphological or physiological characters. Um, It could be a group of offspring from a modified plant, which cannabis absolutely is, because we select the plants that we like, which is a form of artificial, it is artificial selection, which is a form of actual genetic modification. Um, Although people don't like uh, to hear that, but it does change the evolutionary trajectory of an organism when you start selecting for things and not just let it go on its merry way and do its own um, and its own thing um, or it can be a group of offspring from a genetic mutation so so strain all a all strain is if you think about it um, in in other terms in, in organisms that we can think about so if we have we have dogs right we have different breeds of dogs when you breed a dachshund with a dachshund you get another dachshund you don't breed a dachshund and a dachshund and get a i would hope you wouldn't get a doberman um those are breeds which would be sort of an equivalent of cultivar um when you have two mutts you go to the humane society and you adopt two beautiful dogs that look like whatever a mishmash of stuff and they breed, you're going to get a variety of different puppies um, that all look different, which is wonderful and great and super cute. You you give your friend the pick of the litter, which is basically what you're doing when you do female but the genetic makeup is of that one that you picked, that puppy that you your friend picked. you don't know what the genet- you don't know you don't know the genetic makeup of the parents. You just know they're a hodgepodge of all different kinds of dogs, not sure what and not sure in what proportions. And that's the same with cannabis. A lot of times we don't know the parentage or the ancestry of the two crosses, the two parents that we're crossing to make a hybrid polyhybrid offspring because almost everything is a hybrid of a hybrid of a hybrid of a hybrid so that's another reason why strain is is almost always appropriate in cannabis
0: and so i wanted to ask you about that there are a couple of folks on stage here that have some coffee shop experience and so we love to talk about indica and sativa and hybrid and all of that nomenclature when you're inside of the dispensary so i wanted to ask you is this the same nomenclature that we should also be using as a consumer uh, when we get into these stores should we still be using indica and sativa even what is kind of the discourse when we get into kind of that setting or is this kind of terminology or vernacular that we can use again through all of the settings
1: um okay so when i say hybrid that just means we're crossing two different things so you're not crossing You know the two of the same things you're crossing two different things so unfortunately with this nomenclature stuff with sativa indica hybrid we're using the same words that apply to scientific terminology and species um, and morphology sort of definitions Um, but we also use those same exact terms to Uh, for that to describe effects and the two things have zero to do with each other you can't look at a plant you can look at a plant and say that's an indica type plant it won't give you any information whatsoever on um, how it's going to make you feel the effects that you're going to have and 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 vice versa you cannot smoke something and say this plant was short and had dense buds and was dark and Possibly had a lot of anthocyanin. You just you can't look at a bud and and or smoke a bud and be able to tell what that plant looked like. Um, the two things are not related. So this is where a lot of the confusion comes, where science is saying there is no difference between indica and sativa. Well, there is because you can look at a plant and look where it grew up and, and say you know warm plants are look like this and um, cooler temperature climate plants look like this and those are local adaptations presumably, um, probably phenotypic plasticity, but maybe not, Um, but then they're taking that information, that scientific definition of their indica and sativa, and then trying to overlay some sort of effects, so terpenes, cannabinoids on top of that, and it just doesn't mesh because they're not related. I don't know if that made sense. Did I, just, did I explain that well? I don't know.
0: For me, I believe so.
1: Another, I and mean, I'm so talkative. I'm sorry. I'm like, uh, I, I guess you guys came here to listen to me, but um, another. I was
0: going to say, how dare you come on a podcast and talk? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, another thing that I would like to say, especially aimed at consumers with this whole Sativa Indica thing, they're great categories, they're great speaking points. They give us a way to talk about. Um, these plants in a meaningful way. However, attaching um, a, attaching specific effects to these words, which has traditionally been done, indicas are going to make you tired and, and couch lock and they're sedating and all that, and sativas are uplifting, energizing, psych, you know, like psychedelic, whatever. Um, those words are not true for everybody, And so I I feel like um, you can say this is sativa leaning and this is indica leaning, but that person needs to attach their own experience to those words to be able to have a conversation to say, I know I like indicas better. Um, instead of going into maybe a dispensary or talking to a friend and having a friend say, I like sativas, so you'll like sativas too, because that's not always the case. And that's not really the case with anything. Just because I like chocolate doesn't mean that Corey's gonna like chocolate. Um, just because I like wine and don't like beer doesn't mean or, or that that doesn't mean that um Corey's gonna have the same experience. Um he might like beer and not like wine. So I feel like we need to remove those words that are traditionally um, associated with sativa and indica type effects and just let people decide for themselves which category they like better or, or not, not, I mean, and when they prefer to, to, um, to consume those different types. And then hybrid has, you know, is, is kind of like a, um, somewhere in between some sort of blend of different effects so i think that we need to um let people make decisions and um have their own experiences without telling them what to do does that i don't know if that makes sense i hope it makes sense
0: yeah no it definitely makes sense it comes you know i think the other difficulty as well is trying because i like holy smokes do i resonate with that i mean uh if I smoke what's indicated as a sativa, usually uh, my PTSD, my anxiety is just instantly activated. And so I've kind of had to convert to looking at the different terpenes that are making up the sativa cultivar so to speak, uh, strain. <laughs> um, and so that's where I've kind of been focused on. But I know that's also a dangerous path because it, like, I believe a lot in the entourage effect. I believe that once we get into isolation, there's... And speaking, you know, candidly, with some other folks who are in the formulation business and have had opportunities to isolate certain things, uh, they're reporting some really interesting side effects uh, from going down that path. And so, I know that that's a dangerous slope as well. But it's it's difficult. And like, I want to have some of those nice effects that, are you know, typically enjoyed from a sativa cultivar. But if I don't look at the terpenes that are involved in that sativa cultivar, it's going to be a really difficult. Um, space for me so I you know this is where it comes to it's really difficult to try and find that kind of normal baseline nomenclature so that bud tenders and consumers alike around the world can really kind of you know harness around kind of one idea and push forward because that's the one thing that like I really hate the division and I, I don't even like to use the word hate but I just I don't like the division in the cannabis industry over something that should be simple which I know it isn't you know really in true form but I think it's something that we could actually come to an agreement on at least so that's also kind of the difficulty that I'm finding with it as well and is you know do you find that that is I don't know if you can comment on it but you know kind of about you know going through that kind of terpene discovery within what is called a sativa cultivar or an cultivar. to you know like you said I don't want to be boxed in I don't want my mind to be made up so is it also dangerous to kind of go down this terpene path that we're going on or you know what are kind of your thoughts on that when we're trying to figure out uh this nomenclature
1: so my thoughts are that i so i i I think of cannabis in more of a holistic sort of thing and everything that is in the, the the whole whole the whole plant are are like ingredients and you might have a little bit of something, you might have a lot of something, but the combination of the things is what contributes to the outcome. So if, if we stop thinking about plants in cannabis, and for a minute, we think about pizza, let's say. Okay, so pizza, everybody knows what pizza, I hope everybody knows what pizza is, because it's freaking amazing. It's got your basic ingredients, it's got your crust, your sauce, your cheese, your toppings. But what those toppings are matters a lot. Um, for some people, what's in that crust could matter a lot. If it's, if you've got a gluten allergy and you eat something with gluten in it, you're going to have a bad time. So you would want to know if your pizza contains gluten. And that may be the the case for some people with cannabis, um, certain terpenes, they might have allergies to, or very sensitive responses to certain cannabinoids. So you'd want to know in that case. I like pineapple. Pineapple is great. I like ham. I love ham sandwiches. If you put pineapple, or if you put pineapple on my pizza, I'm going to punch you in the face. I hate <laughs> pineapple on pizza, and that is a personal preference. Um, and it doesn't. It's not wrong. It doesn't mean anything really. It's just my preference. And so I feel like, uh, oh, and then there's you know there's really tiny ingredients like a little bit of sugar in the dough, or you know a little Parmesan sprinkle on the crust. Although there's not a lot of it. Uh, it can make a big difference to the taste of the pizza. And so you can think of those as like the minor terpenes or the minor cannabinoids that really make a difference in the product. Um, And we have mass-produced pizzas, which ah, they're okay, they're not great. And then we have more boutique type pizzas where you go and everything is gourmet and it's delicious, it's a little more expensive, but you get what you pay for sort of thing, Uh, a $5 pizza from Little Caesars is not going to be the same as you know something from a a a legit pizzeria in New York or something like that. So, and I feel like there's layers to how much information you should that you need based on your experience. So if you have never eaten pizza before, and someone takes you to New York and says, "What do you want?" and you're like, "I have no idea. I don't." I don't even know what to expect right now. So you can, you can, you might have, you might get a piece of pepperoni and a piece of ham and pineapple and you go, Ooh, I hate, I hate the pineapple one. I like the pepperoni one. Now you've made a decision. You've kind of got somewhere to go from there. And then as you eat more pizza, you can ask questions like, what kind of seasonings are in the sauce? What kind of crust is this? What kind of cheese is this? Um, and is is your produce organic like things like that so yes there is a place for it but i think it depends on the level of the consumer and the um the understanding of the consumer that the level of yeah experience with the consumer on where are they at are they brand new are they you know sort of um a little bit familiar but not super familiar or are they absolute connoisseurs they want to know exactly what terpenes what levels and all that stuff um So that's kind of the way I think about it. I don't think it's too difficult. It's just, it takes a little bit of understanding on who, who your audience is. Who are you talking to? Is it, is it a new person or is it somebody who really does have a deep understanding of these things and knows what they need and want?
0: Yes, it is a tailored approach for sure. And that's like, I mean, that's really the exciting part of the cannabis experience that I find for the consumer. It's what's, something that has really been removed from the process here in Canada is that if you just go to a register and talk to the bud tender, there is, well, the person that's selling the cannabis at the store, there's no real education that's going on. And, you know, just to give you an idea and the difference just here in the country alone of Canada, um, in the province of New Brunswick, for example, uh, it's, uh, all their stores are run by the government. There are no private store options there. And so the, education that's been provided to the guidelines for education that's been provided for the bud tenders there is that they are not allowed to specifically talk about terpenes because it's viewed from the government or the advisory council that's there for cannabis is that terpenes are medical. And since we have recreational dispensaries, we shouldn't be talking about the medical effects of terpenes in the recreational store. Now, if you move across the country uh, and you don't have to go all the way across the country, um, uh, but if you go all the way across the country to Vancouver, all the dispensaries out here in British Columbia, even the government stores, the, literally one of the first things that you walk into is a giant terpene wheel <laughs> on the wall and you engage in such a different conversation uh, than what's happening on the other side of the country. So that's why this is really, a, I've just been really excited to bring this conversation to the forefront, Anna, with somebody like yourself. Because even here in our federally regulated market, it's it's being pushed in a weird direction (laughs) and it's forcing people to be decisions made for them, like you mentioned earlier.
1: And sometimes it is um, sensory overload. Like if I walked and I know quite a bit about all this stuff, but if I walked into a dispensary and was greeted with a giant terpene wheel, that would be seriously overwhelming for me. That's like, you know, going to a a sandwich shop and them having, you like a hundred sandwiches on the menu, all the different stuff. Like, you're just like, I don't even know where to start. Like, this is too much. Can I just have whatever is most popular? And I mean, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but, um, I, I think there, there is, there is kind of, um. There can be too much information for the level of, of, of the customer, or the consumer. Um, you know, you don't go to, when you go to the supermarket, you're not You're what you look at is not the list of ingredients to figure out what you like or not, because. Chances are, if you have a box of cake and you just read the ingredients you and there's no picture or anything else on the package, you're going to have zero idea of what the hell that thing is. Yeah, I, I I can see both sides where, you know, more information is wanted by some and it can be overwhelming for others. And I don't see any issue with you know listing all the ingredients and giving terpene profiles and things like that but i think we need to be really cognizant of who we're talking to because some people might be really put off and just be like i don't i'm not i can't i don't even know what to do and just kind of not even bother
0: yeah 100 percent. it's a very interesting you know and i feel that frustration from both sides uh, you know i've heard of when you just start to introduce the word terpene uh, the response is, okay, can you please speak English? <laughs> it's so, you know, like you said, it could be an overload right away um, for people uh, in that respect. So I do, uh, I can see both sides of that one as well. It is, it's such a crazy time, but it's wonderful that we can have all of this information kind of shared and, and put out there so we can have those open discussions and try and make the right decisions uh, for, you know, consumers in the industry there.
1: And then, if, 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 if You know, if somebody does ask, well, well, what's a terpene? Does that person on the other side of the counter have the, you know, the education to be able to describe what a terpene is without totally making the customer freak out? Like it's a chemical in the plant. Okay. You can't say that. Right. Um, it's what gives plants their smells and their tastes. Okay. Well, I like tastes and I like smells, but why does that matter? Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you, you can't, give a whole um chemistry lesson to somebody who is just trying to buy some medicine or you know some saturday night um entertainment
0: 100 percent. all right so i just want to give a quick uh, shout to our wonderful lovely uh crowd down there i'm going to open it up for uh, questions in just a quick minute after we kind of give everybody a time here i know that there's some Bud tenders in the stage, there's some cultivators, there's some doctors, and there's just some casual folks out there. Uh, you know, please do not be shy. Uh, this is an open space uh, up here. Uh, if you do have an opinion that's on the contrary, uh, please be respectful of, of each other. I just want to put that out there. I know that we have uh, wonderful conversations in here all the time, but I know sometimes this can be a, a hot button issue. So I just wanted to throw that out there in general. I wanted to, again, uh, Anna, thank you for uh, taking the time and, you know, kind of walking through this stuff. Again, these are some really difficult conversations uh, that are being held throughout the industry worldwide. I hope I've rambled enough uh, for you guys to g- gain some courage and come up here. We're going to let a couple people up to the stage right now. Uh, and please, by all means, uh, ask your questions. Uh, we'll hang out for another 10 or 15 minutes here. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to uh, get this open up. Mark? Welcome, brother. How are you doing today? I've been waiting. I know you raised your hand early, so I know you've been chomping at the bit, man.
2: Good evening, guys. A uh, real pleasure to be here, Anna. Super interesting. I, I, I know you, your background is with genetics, and I wanted to ask a pretty simple uh, question because I don't have any um, education in horticulture. I've just been a cannabis grower for 30 years and a and medical grower, and, and I work at a cannabis association, and we, we do self-cultivate. But seeds and clones, whether they're from the same mother or the same genetic, I I tend to see the seeds always outproducing the clones. And if they're from the same genetic, is that just because the natural vigor that seeds bring?
1: Okay, so I really, I don't know um, if this is the correct answer, but this is my understanding is that seeds produce a taproot. And so that taproot can go deeper and is stronger than uh, clones, which only really produce a fibrous root system. Um, and that may be the reason that you're seeing the difference. I don't know. Maybe somebody else in here can answer that question better, but that's my understanding.
2: That makes a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense. Cause always, yeah. Always when I grow from seed, the stems thicker up and I suppose it does come from that, that taproot and the clones don't, don't have that. You're totally correct. Yeah.
0: Is there from seed, is there less inbreeding depression, Anna? am I learning
1: well in order to have inbreeding depression there has to be some sort of cross. I'm okay My you just 180 my brain thought train um, yeah so yeah so inbreeding depression you have to have some sort of breeding going on so that would not be applicable to clones
0: perfect I know I thought that also mark was kind of going into the genetic drift Uh, arena closely but uh, we had a wonderful discussion with Anna about genetic drift and that crazy um, (laughs) mess of a situation so thank you for clarifying that as well Anna. I'm trying to you know again trying to understand that whole you know situation it's uh, it's just refreshing to have a conversation um you know on the scientific level about it uh instead of just using you know stoner or bro science it uh it's just lovely i really appreciate it again
1: oh thanks well i try i'm um i try <laughs> i've read a lot of books and stuff
0: <laughs> and stuff i love it <laughs> uh again if there's anyone down in the crowd if you have any uh questions down there please uh go ahead and raise your hand
3: oh hey, uh, yeah i'm kind of like brain dead um Hey, Anna, that was like my brain is blown away. So um, I think I need to read stuff. Is this all in your (laughs) district? You know, did you write about all this? (laughs) Because... We got to read those books and stuff. We got to read those books and stuff, Rick. Books and stuff.
1: It's a lot of books Uh, and stuff.
3: (laughs) Yeah, the stuff part, I think I've already done. But the, you know, like... How did you come up with all this? Did you take all of that and just kind of like all this information and create this? Or do you, is is this, where did this all come from? So, So So a lot
1: of it, so for me, like I, you know, I had heard every, like, I know that people call Cannabis strains, they just do. And then I started getting corrected, and I I was told, no, it's a cultivar. So I was like, okay, so what is a cultivar, and what is a strain? And it was very difficult to dig out all of this information. And going back to things like, you know, the International Code of Botanical Nomenclature, what is a cultivar? Does does cannabis fit into that? And you know, where where Corey's coming from, you know, with a um, with his history in, in horticulture and being told that it's a cultivar because it's cultivated by humans. Well, yeah, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't reach the standards. Right. So, uh, so then what is a strain? Um, so then I looked into what is a strain and I looked up, you know, how does that apply to plants? Why would that apply to cannabis? So it's me just basically asking questions. Why people are, why, why are people saying these things? And then I came across the paper, um, you know, there there is a couple of papers out there that talk about, you know, um, cult, from cultivar to chemovar, and I'm not a fan of chemovars either. Um, but, you know, there's one sentence in one of these papers that says that, you know, st- strains, strain is not a, a term that we use in plants. It's only for bacteria and viruses. So again, I looked and I'm like, yeah, but it is, it does refer to plants. I don't know who, I do know who this person is, but I don't know why this, I don't know why everybody um, went all of a sudden in the last few years, got their pants all in a bunch and decided that it was cultivar and not strain.
3: Yeah, you know, so part of me is, you know, like, I'm old school. So I'm, you know, we have two strains, and we have a million cultivars. It, that's how we. I've always looked at it like you know, you have growers and they make up shit and they name it, the, you know, or something. That's will what the strains
1: away. are. That's what the strains are. Is all of the the crosses, the polyhybrid crosses, the things that we don't even know what the parents are. Those are the strains. Cultivars, you definitely know the ancestry. You know where it came from. You know the lineage and that. And and even then, sativa and indica are not. Cultivar, nothing in can Well, that's not true. So what Very is a,
3: so what is a sativa or, or and like what are you calling that? Like what is that that whole realm of product?
1: So so we went over this a little bit earlier in the conversation. So those two words, well, indica, sativa, and hybrid, are terms that are used for two completely different sets of things. So we have the morphology um, and sort of the regional difference that would be scientifically applied terminology for indica and sativas. The sativas are taller and they're um, spindlier and they're lighter in color and they all that. Um, And indicas are shorter in stature and and bushier and darker in color and grow in colder climates. Okay, so that's morphology, that's science. We also have the terms indica and sativa as they apply to the effects on consumption. These two things, so the effects of a sativa and the morphology, have nothing to do with each other, and so um, you can't overlay those two things. You can't say a sativa, you can't point at a plant and say that plant right there is going to have a sativa effect, because that's not how that works. So we've got two different, two different lines of communication using the same terminology for two completely different things and it's confusing everybody and it's unfortunate. But I feel like um you know you just have to be really clear when you say indica or sativa what you're referring to. So if you say indica or sativa type effects, obviously you are talking about how the plant is going to affect you on consumption or the effects that you have when you when you consume an indica type or a sativa type if you're talking about morphology so when you go out into your garden and you say oh i have three sativas and two indicas you need to be really specific about what you mean by that um i have two two that are showing you know a sativa type um phenotype a sativa phenotype or, or a sativa morphotype or whatever you, however you want to call that. Or you can say I, ha- I have a hybrid phenotype, morphotype, however you want to say that. But you, yeah, you need to be clear because they're not the same thing. And science is saying there's no difference. Well, and consumers are saying there is, um, but it's because the two terms don't match up. They, they're they not connected.
2: So you you saying that phenol is a cultivar because it's an established uh uh stable genetic for a long time and it's I think it's one of twelve legal industrial hemp varieties that you can buy.
1: Yeah, so there's there's Uh, a there's a list of of cultivated varieties. It's not a long list, um, but vanola's on there. I think US thirty one and US thirteen are on there. Um I think Carmangola, Carmagnola, however you say that. I think that's on the list. That's
2: right, that's right, yeah.
1: Um, What's and that there's that, like, a, there's a, um, uh, Finola's on there. I don't, I haven't. Uh, anyway, it's not a very long list. Um, it, you said 12, I think Mark, and I would say, yeah, maybe it's like 25. It's not a long list. Um, and those are, those are cultivars that have been registered with the international, um, code, uh, cultivars so they have been able to establish you know you have to be able to establish parentage you have to be able to establish that it's consistent and um all of that stuff and then once you do that you can get your your plant registered and that's you know they then then you also have are, are given some protections if you're the breeder of that but most people don't bother to go through that um or and they don't have the their their plants don't have the what do I want to say that the, they just don't make the cut. Would
2: would some of the landrace sativas that we're using, like the Malawi Gold and like the Punta Rojo from Colombia, some of those really old established uh, land races that they're now using, like Greenhouse and some of the other seed companies, they go and they take these land races on the, like strain hunters. Would the, some of those land races be be referred to as cultivars as well that we're now using? not
1: unless somebody registers for it so so really like part of the the whole being able to call it a cultivar it needs to be registered with that that um international um what did i call it it's a
2: process it's a political process and a a monetary yeah
1: it needs to be registered with the international code of botanical nomenclature so you can't just say it's like just because you want to call it a cultivar doesn't make it a cultivar you actually have to go through a process yeah right of showing you know like you have to give them so many seeds you have to have data you have to show that it's consistent in morphology and, and characteristics and all that um and, and a lot of times you have to give some sort of genetic information to show that it's you know unique and um it, you can't just give it a name and call it a cultivar
2: yeah you have to establish a background and a, and mm-hmm. a history with the plant
1: Yeah. Yep. And I'm not even sure that land that land races would be eligible because I mean, who, they, they don't belong to anybody. Nobody cultivated them. They just are there and locally adapted or whatever. And who owns those? I don't know. So I don't know if they would even be eligible, but you could take two land races, potentially breed them and say this came from this land race and this came from this land race. And now I have this and I, I don't you know I haven't been through the process and this is not at all my interest but yeah there is a whole process that comes with that and the people who registered for NOLA and all those other things they jumped through all the hoops and did the things and got them on the list
2: uh, but ultimately all all cannabis was uh made by mother earth uh through natural process and uh if we really think about it nobody owns any land or anything
1: well we can have a discussion about that but um, probably not today. <laughs> we had that discussion the other night.
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh, man, I knew this was going to be a banger. So please feel free. I know I'm going to give Anna a second here to plug some of her stuff, but yeah, check out her website. There is a dissertation on there that uh, uh, is well over 200 pages, so I'm going to take it into chunks. Uh, I also, you know, I'm going to make the joke again, but seriously Anna, are you sure you didn't try to make it 420 pages? That would have been awesome, man. But uh, You know,
1: I'm really pissed now that I didn't even <laughs> think of that.
0: Hey man, Stoner Stoner's unite. I got you on that side. You, you... Because I could.
1: have. I could have. I wanted to make the so the la- the last chapter that like my PI made me combine cannabinoids and terpenes cuz he didn't want it to be like this gigantic long super book um so i very much shortened those chapter that you know those two chapters and put them into one i so could have done 420 pages and that would have been amazing damn it i
0: love it i am mad at your professor for that what a jerk anyway with that segue tell us where we can find you where can we read this wonderful stuff uh tell the folks here on clubhouse and listening on spotify where we can find you to uh you know have our brains be blown a little bit more
1: okay so i don't know how much information will pop up like i google myself a lot um <laughs> Just to see uh, who's writing stuff about me and whatnot. Um, but if you type into Google Anishwabi cannabis, there should be a whole bunch of stuff that pops up. Um, I have a couple of publications out there that are uh, either in review or peer reviewed and published. You might find some cactus stuff. I did uh, a lot of work for my master's um, looking at hybridization levels in uh, a rare cactus species um, and a really Widespread uh, cactus species very closely related and of course they hybridize so that they they, Yes, those would be varieties, I guess, if they're a hybrid. Um, Cory and (laughs) um, So you might find some of that stuff, but I think the easiest place to find Everything in one spot is to go to my website, which is com. There's a link to my dissertation my publications there's podcasts on there there's a couple of blog articles i really am not good at writing a blog but there's a couple of things like uh, a little story about the first time my first two seeds that i grew that i found on the floor um which was pretty funny and um let's see what else is on there oh some art. of my,
0: don't forget my, the art
1: my botanical art some of my pieces are on there for you to look at and i um i don't know just threw that in there i have a, i have a, a a certification in botanical illustration, as well as my other stuff, and then, um you know, the the splash page is just sort of a, a an electronic CV about who I am, what I do, my experiences and background, and all that good stuff. So, oh, and and LinkedIn and and my email and everything is all on there. So that's how you can get in touch with me if you don't have my phone number.
0: <laughs> Love it, Anna. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking well over an hour, uh, in fact, over two hours uh, with us so far. I cannot wait to see things, uh, you know, kick kick down the road a little bit more, and we can have you back here, and uh, you know, discuss the, the latest and greatest and crazy uh, associated the the cannabis industry. It uh, yeah, this has been a wonderful show for me. I just I just it's so much fun to fuse stoner science with real science start reading these things and seeing these papers come out they're slowly starting to trickle out here in Canada you know with federal legalization our public universities or universities up here are able to you know get their cannabis research licenses and so there is going to be some absolute groundbreaking stuff uh, that's going to be coming out in the next few years and I cannot wait so with that real quick Uh, As always, there's a greenhouse at the top. Uh, Please give that a follow so that you are notified of the latest and greatest podcast episodes. We live record here on Clubhouse and send it out to the masses through Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever your podcast is found. If you like the people on stage, please give them a follow. If you like the vibe, Green Beans up here, we'd really appreciate the follow as well. And uh, with that, thank you, everybody. And there you have it, another episode of Resonate Radio, episode number 18. Super excited to finally get that one out to y'all. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did putting it together and having this conversation. If you don't already... I mean, please again, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Spotify, any major podcasting platform that you get us. It is extremely important. Leave those reviews. I see you in the Ukraine. I see you in the Czech Republic. Absolutely love you. Thank you so much for the support. We're gonna have a little bit of a rap episode coming soon. Can't wait to get that through. Resonate Radio is allowed to do video podcasts, folks. We are going to be getting that format rocking and rolling. So stay tuned. Big things happening here on Resonate Radio. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and I will see you all shortly. Take it easy, everybody.